Mr. Wells is with us. Good morning, Cal. Good morning. Thanks for joining. Who's that guy in the little right-hand corner? Uh, not sure. Um, oh. So I could tell you're so excited to see me this morning, Cal. Like I am every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just life is not fulfilled unless I, I have my dose of Paul Fanner. Yeah, indeed. And, and uh, I will I will just start by saying uh, you're on pole position uh, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I like you on pole. Um, but uh, I will leave it at that. What could possibly go wrong with this interview? Um, uh, first off, I mentioned earlier in the intro, I have no idea what you actually do. So I hope today is uh, when we we actually get to the bottom of all that. Um, You've taken this new position at uh, Legacy Motor Club, uh, which uh, I think uh, is an interesting project for you. It's uh, obviously tied to your uh, long history with Toyota. Could you just, if, if our audience is not familiar with your storied background in the sport, could you just, just give us a brief uh, rundown of how you went from where you started to how you got here in this new role? Uh you mean from the womb, Paul? Yeah, the womb. I was hoping just yeah. that, that first like moment where you saw light. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I was feet first, but okay. Uh, um, the uh, the uh, you know I've I've been blessed to be involved in off road racing forever, which is my first love and probably my, my most passionate. But being um, getting involved with Toyota. Early on through Mickey Thompson's off-road championship one three, the Mickey Thompson Entertainment Group, he um, he put that thing together with, with manufacturers who was brilliant. And he really created the jobs that all of us, from myself to the Walker Evanses of the world to the Roger Mears and and uh, so many others when you got all the manufacturers involved. And that created a bridge for me. Um, that was just led me to incredible adventures with Toyota and it's been 42 years. So having an opportunity to not only compete on their behalf in off-road racing, both short course off-road racing, stadium off-road racing, and then of course I should say all three, which would be desert off-road racing. Again, my favorite, Baja 1000 is my favorite event in the planet. That led me to their IndyCar program, which was a blessing. Of course, you're very familiar with that. And that led me to their NASCAR program, where I then was a consultant, not a team owner, uh, but a consultant to help get the thing launched with a guy at the time, his name was Dave Ellingworth, and he was looking for some counsel. I'd already started in NASCAR with, uh, um, well, first Ford, and then Pontiac, and then which became Chevrolet and the Pontiac division closed down within GM. And that, when I couldn't afford to do it anymore, or I didn't have the personal wealth to deal with the ebbs and flows of sponsorship, I've been very blessed at fantastic sponsorship for decades and decades, but ultimately I, I couldn't make it balance. Then I was back with Toyota, helping with Michael Walsh Racing. 
which was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Probably the best job I've had, uh, although I love this new one. And then from there, I, I worked with the president of uh, TRD, Dave Wilson, and then a number of the the wonderful group he has there, Tyler Gibson, Jack Irvin, um, on and on, to um, to help shape various and assorted initiatives, both racing related and then non-racing related, but off-road centric that I've got a little bit of experience in. So through that journey, when they were looking, they meaning Toyota was looking for that uh, that third leg to diversify their portfolio a bit in NASCAR between um, Joe Gibbs Racing, which is their anchor and cornerstone team, and then the new opportunity that that came out of left field really when Denny had an idea and he had a golfing buddy that uh, played basketball and um, they created this wonderful 2311 for Michael Jordan's number and, and you know people call it 23 hex but it's it, the idea is Michael Jordan's jersey and of course the, the number that's been associated in NASCAR with Denny Hamlin forever. But that was not something that was planned. That was something that, that Denny put together and, and uh, he hired an extraordinarily competent guy uh, and capable guy and Steve Lovetta to put all the working parts together along with some of the really smart people there, Mike Wheeler, Dave Rogers, others that are actually JGR ones that helped assemble that. But it wasn't necessarily... It was done in a very planned and methodical way, but it, it just came out of left field. It's like, hey, I've got this opportunity. Would you guys be interested in it? And, and meaning when Denny brought it to Toyota. But they've always looked, they meaning again, Toyota and, and Toyota Racing Development, have looked at how do we put together, a, a, a Dave often calls it a three-legged stool, where we we have our, our anchor team, and then we create either affiliates with that anchor team or independent teams much like Michael Walter Racing was back when I was blessed to be with them and uh, have more, have a broader base within the garage. The next gen car rewards numbers. And uh, we see that, although Ryan Blaney, of course, just succeeded in winning the championship, but the manufacturer championship in all three series was won by Chevrolet and they come after it with numbers. So, with the next gen car and the the differentiation being narrowed a little bit more like IndyCar, the uh, numbers help, and so Toyota took it upon themselves, TRD specifically, to go out and take a look and say, "Hey, what? Let's kick some tires and see what we could do to add that that third leg and potentially one that was." independent in that um, it wouldn't necessarily rely on uh, at least a full-fledged technical alliance with JGR, much like, um, say, Barney Visser, who won a championship yeah. through his technical alliance with, uh, with JGR Furniture Railways. So we kicked some tires, and I had my TRD Toyota hat on firmly at the time, and, and I was kind of the point person for that, along with others, but I just know some people so could make some calls and we did a number of interviews some really good organizations really good organizations and we talked to Maury before Maury was very very special but his 
uh, fiercely entrepreneurial, knows how to build businesses, really has so much going on. But there were certain parts that didn't necessarily fit. It didn't that left there was a couple of voids that didn't necessarily fill some of the requirements that Toyota would have for a partnership. And then along came Jimmy, his manager, Michael Bill, also manages Eric Jones. And that created a conversation between Michael and Maury to talk about, hey, you know, this is classic putting on a show, right? I've got a barn, you've got some hay, let's put on a dance. And I as silly as that sounds, it literally came together pretty quick. The, the deal itself took time, but the, the concept of doing simple. Jimmy has so many fastballs beyond being an athlete. And uh, he's not an ops guy, but he's definitely a business development guy. And he's definitely someone that's got relationships that span the globe. Maury is an ops guy. And he is also, uh, again, fiercely entrepreneurial. And he had an economic engine that could help get the thing going. The one thing that... Um, was interesting is that their their president, Mike Beam, had made the decision to retire. And he actually sent a note out to everybody at the beginning of uh, last year saying that he was going to, well, the beginning of 23, I suppose. Um, uh, that he was going to retire. So it left this void that where they were, they, meaning Maury and Jimmy, needed somebody to to herd the cats that, uh, uh, I shouldn't say that, but in other words, shepherd the the great team members they have there, now called club members. And uh, at the same time, someone that would have virtually a symbiotic relationship with Toyota. And I started with Toyota in 1982. So I am almost as old as you are, Paul. I mean, almost. Not quite, but almost. Well, I, I, I'd like to saw you in half and count the rings, if you don't mind. Yeah, I understand. Then, then we'll know for sure. So <laughs> so that, so my name was put forward by um, uh, Tierney, by Dave Wilson, yeah. Tyler, and Andy. And of course, I, I've known Jimmy forever. His pop and I used to race together in the desert before Jimmy was born. And so there was a lot of interesting synergies. And then one thing led to another. And I, so now I'm, I'm blessed to, uh, to be working for Maury and Jimmy as uh, CEO of uh, Legacy Motorcycle. Yes. And in looking at, you know, the, the results from this last year, obviously they can't be satisfied with, where the team is is finished in the championship and the performance of the team. And you're undertaking this wholesale platform change, basically, you know, a manufacturer change. Can you talk about the complexities of that a little bit? You know, you're one, you're seeking full-on competitiveness at the front of the field, but what is the what does it entail to uh, move from one manufacturer relationship to another in, in NASCAR? With the next gen car, it's easier okay. to be born. The okay. um, I it's hope still, that's about the end of the answer. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it, it uh, short and sweet. The um, yeah, the, the the team, the first year they ran as a single car operation, um, before the, completing the 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 sale, um. Eric won a race and yep. 
you know, it's wonderful to win races and, and you would never want to say, Ooh, I, I think that's the worst thing that could have happened. But I think it certainly was a detriment because it created a sense of uh, what the next gen car was like. First season, 19 winners, 19 different winners. Yeah. So there was this sense that, oh, well, okay, here's how NASCAR is enforcing the rules and here's where they're not. And meaning areas that you can interpret differently as they were learning the car too. I mean, that's, that's not a knock against NASCAR. It's just everybody was learning. And there was windows that opened up for people to come in and win shows that, that you wouldn't normally consider competitive. And it created a, a level of confidence not arrogance, but confidence, particularly with ownership, particularly with Maury, like, hey, we could do this. Just like we've done in Truck, and just like we've done in Xfinity and Arca and all the things that, because he's extraordinarily successful at Gallagher Motorsports, extraordinary, 60 some odd wins, multiple championships, but not in this division. So when you start looking at infrastructure to be more competitive and as in any racing series and, and, Paul, I know your first racing series, I think, was covered back and coming across. I think it was that. Uh, it was Cherry. Yeah. Okay. So, so like as you know, people, you know, those chariots back there, you come up with better wheel bearings and then feed the horses differently. And all of a sudden, yeah, the cream rises to the top. Right. And that's what happened with uh, the other teams. It got tougher, tougher, tougher. And one of the things that Jimmy and Maury realized very early is that they needed, um, and I'm going to use the term they because I, I wasn't with them yet. They, they did this on their own. It was time to say, hey, we need to be what is termed in NASCAR vernacular as a tier one uh, team, meaning supported as a tier one member of Chevrolet, Ford, or Toyota. And those are very sought after and coveted positions within NASCAR. Pinsky's and uh, Roush Fenway, Keselowski and um, uh, Stuart Haas are tier one for Ford. You know, in, in Chevy, there's uh, Mr. Hendrick, which is tier one plus. Yes. And then and then the track houses of the world and and uh, uh, RCR and and uh, others. And so when you when you look at that ecosystem, it was tough for Jimmy to get Jimmy, even though he had won seven championships for General Motors, and this will always surprise me. The there wasn't a focus on and and Maury on the other side winning truck multiple truck championships for Chevrolet. You would just think that General Motors would say, "Ooh, Jimmy, Maury, look at what we can do. Let's move them up to be more independent and, and call them a true tier one." And uh, unfortunately, pardon me. Unfortunately, um, they just didn't feel that way. And they left them at what I would consider a tier three, where the information was very limited and intentional. I mean, this isn't to say that Jim Campbell and Eric Warren didn't pay a lot of attention to uh, Gallagher um, Motorsport and then Jimmy and then um, Richard Petty, and, and how it continued to evolve into legacy because they, they did, but they have tier one teams that have made huge investments and they were wanting to, uh, to appropriately support their other true key partner teams. And one of the challenges, Paul, you've certainly seen this in your history too, is you, if you, if you take technology 
And you take someone like Eric, right, who, who heads up um, global uh, engineering motorsport for General Motors. As you expand that circle of trust, um, when you expand that circle of trust, you inadvertently share incremental technologies and you can lose the the tight rain around it that you want. So as you add another team and another team and another team, yeah. NDAs are great, but that doesn't, you know, people down a local pub and that's where they really exchange ideas. And it becomes a real challenge for folks like Chevrolet that are already oversubscribed. In other words, they have a, a plethora of tier one teams. So it just from their seat on the bus, it really didn't make any sense. Toyota, on the other hand, it did make sense. Yeah. And so through a series of meetings that, uh, again, at that time, I had my TRD hat firmly on. Uh, Jimmy was that he filled the voids that Maury had in his operation as it related to sponsorship development, as it related to certain other relationships that Jimmy could bring. And it ended up, the view was it would be the perfect marriage. You've got individuals that are um, really, really good in their own swim lane and how you can build a crossover with them. And that's, that's how it came about. But ultimately, when Mike chose to retire and they had this void, the steam engine was already running down the down the tracks. So I you know a lot about steam I know a lot about steam engines, much more than you can imagine. So anyway, the uh uh it it they needed somebody to grab the tiller and roll with it. And what was really nice is that Maury and his guys, Mike Bean, Joey Cohen, had already gathered Joey Cohen as the head of competition there, had already amassed a really strong IP uh, this this whole ecosystem of really smart people they just were overwhelmed if you look at we just had our company leadership offsite and it was interesting because I heard a lot more and learned a lot more about it there than ever it, it, I chaired it because I thought it was important for everybody to get in a room together and spend a couple of days talking about where we've been and where we're going but they literally went from a bare floor with no cars to saying, hey, I think we're going to run seven races as, an, as a non-chartered or independent non-franchised car to, hey, we're going to run one car to, hey, we bought RPM, we're going to move them over here, we're going to buy uh, and we're going to run two cars. And he had three people and, you you know, and you, you just months to get it ready. And it was a miracle what they pulled off, particularly when you're trying to take a GMS culture, uh, Richard Petty culture, and then a Jimmy Johnson culture and super collide them. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a fascinating that's contrast of eras too when you think about it. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, and you know, you carry the the name legacy is in your name, and you have two of the most iconic numbers in all of racing, uh, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, the you know, you live up to those uh, that legacy. And what does that put on you in terms of pressure or storytelling uh, opportunity? There's, there's usually two sides to everything. What does that do and how does the Petty legacy fit into what you're doing? Petty legacy is critically important. 75th is coming up this year. We're going to pay reverence to the Petty family with uh, 
a series of extensive promotion programs that not revenue generating programs, just programs that celebrate and honor the Petty family's um, 75 years of employment. And I can tell you that what having Richard, um, having the King as part of the, the legacy family and a true cornerstone along with Jimmy and seven championships each and what they're, what they're able to deliver as it relates to fan base, as it relates to their, their relationship with the history of NASCAR. It's just phenomenal. And I didn't really realize how impactful it would be until we, we did a sponsor presentation, one that we'll be revealing here in another week or two. And uh, Jimmy was in Europe at the time, so he wasn't there live, but he was able to pipe in. And we had a whole bunch of people in the room uh, at Legacy Motor Club up in Statesville. And, you know, it was interesting because we we really put, we got a uh, our chief marketing officer, a guy named Andrew Fyke, that has been around for a long time. And he put together a tremendous, compelling business case for this particular group. And did a really good job and we had a lot of people that did it together it was truly a team effort we must have had 15 20 people and sometimes richard you know it's it's, it's not his first rodeo but sometimes he's we don't like to book him for something making sure he just feels up to it and um, this particular day he did and so we surprised the the president and ceo of this company by having and what was so lovely about it was so wonderful in so many ways is that they of course they love jimmy i mean who couldn't right the, the guy's just gold in the boardroom it's, it's yeah his experience just fantastic but i didn't know would we get it or not because as you've already mentioned our resume was four yeah. and 28th and 34th and points 33rd maybe um it, man you're trying to sell and, and really you're selling a whole sorts of things you're saying look we are now we're going to be tier one with Toyota. We're going to do this. We've hired that. We've done this. We've done that. All these things that that are true and are a great story. And I think we'll have a significant positive influence on our results next year. But at the end of the day, when we went to a certain slide on this big screen we have in this presentation room that talked about philanthropy. And when the king started talking about the victory junction. You could hear, you know, it was like uh, game seven at the World Series. Whack. Yeah. The ball goes over the left field fence. And we knew right then it's like, okay, we got this. And that that was the defining moment. And for as long as he's with us, he'll continue to create those defining moments. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's uh, fascinating that you have in your orbit two of the most iconic racing drivers america has ever produced and uh, well i mean i consider you in my orbit too so maybe three well yes uh, i'm one of the few people that's uh run wheel to wheel with jimmy johnson in, in a go-kart so i just want you to know i want a rematch if you could talk yeah about that. I'll, I'll, I'll set it up you set it up um yeah. and i have to add you know you've been through 
uh, journey in this. I've been around you uh, in, in your presence while you've been dealing with this. You've spent a lot of time talking into that headset of yours, trying to manage all the disparate personalities to an outcome. What's the lesson you've learned this year about people uh, and motorsports? So what, what advice could you give everybody going to New Year? How to, what would you tell them they need to do to be successful? The number one word would be tenacity. They're, the world's full of different personalities, different cultures, different. There's so many. That's it, what makes the world what it is, the idyllic personalities of, of the joys that we get to work with people. But we all have challenges and we all have can have challenging personalities, can have challenging subsets of things that make us feel we're right, make us feel that we're we know what we're doing and these guys don't know what they're doing or hey these these folks feel this is the right path and the key to me has been to listen to everything and then methodically and respectfully take the nuggets of each individual's the essence of who they are and then try and combine them into a uh, an initiative uh, uh, again a journey as you spoke about earlier that uh, can create the outcome that everyone wants. Funny story. I, I may have told it to you before. And I know we're running short of time here, but it is something relevant. When uh, Star Wars came out, I'm a big fan. Star Wars came out in the 70s, 77, 76, something like that. Time Magazine did a big article. By the way, I and, think it uh, was R2-D2. Just, just yes, exactly. Just to be clear. Yeah, I understand. Uh, I kind of, that's what my head looks like anyway. So... George Lucas, that was creating the uh, THX, um, both visual and, but that whole sound thing that he was doing, he had all these things going at the same time. But you know, and it was a it was a great storyline that was very poorly implemented on film. Took a lot of work, a lot of cuts. But during his interview in Time, he spoke about the commitment that he'd gotten from uh, um, the studio to, and the money he needed to do it, or at least the money he thought he needed. He needed more than he thought. And he talked about having a, a team-wide meeting. And I'll use the term team because, you know, you assemble people to do a project like a film yep. and then they go off and do it. And he, the analogy that he used for the journey they were getting on is to just assume that you were getting on a train to go through the countryside and you would all be looking inward to produce this highly technical, groundbreaking new genre certainly far bigger than he would have ever realized at the time. And that occasionally you can look out the windows as you go past the country and you'll see your family and you're waving. But other than that, we're not getting off this train till this thing's done. And we're all going to be working together to get it done. And I've always thought about motorsports the same way. And if you look at NASCAR, you've got 38 events a year and yep. you're investing a tremendous amount of time with each other. And you need to understand how to compartmentalize differences and actually utilize those as a part of a intellectual property engine to instill and excite thought on other ideas that can help you accomplish your goal. Well, that, that's a great metaphor for racing overall, period. It's, it, it, it is a journey and your teammates become your life and your life partners and, and, uh, 
the race to your dreams. And uh, I've uh, enjoyed our friendship over the years. It's, it's uh, uh, and to see you have this opportunity so very late in life is exciting. So very late. So very late. <laughs> so, uh, you know, here's to you surviving the season. And uh, thank you for being with us this morning, Cal. It's been a pleasure to spend time with you. Yeah, I figured I was out of time because when the other screens pop up, shooting pops, I was like, okay, here well, comes the yeah. so. uh, uh Actually, uh, uh, they're pro uh, we've, we've been contacted by the authorities. They want to speak to you. So they're waiting in the room outside. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I had no up with you. So I, I, it's been great talking to you, though. Well, th th thank you very much, Cal. It was a great pleasure and an honor to have you back on the program. And and uh, and thank you for the very kind word you said about you know what we're doing with this platform. That that meant a lot to us. And uh, thank you very much uh, for 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 your support and and friendship. So. Registering on ePartrade is easy. To start, click on the Join for Free button on the homepage. First, search your company to see if it's already in our database. If you see your company on the list, click on it to select it. Then, choose Claim Company if you are one of the decision makers, an owner, marketing person, or main company contact. Or choose Join Company if you are an employee, and press Continue. If you couldn't find your company in our database, select Register a new company. On the following page, fill out your name, email, phone number, job title, and choose a secure password. If you chose register a new company, you'll need to choose your business type. Select supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to source new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional race team. Then enter your company name please provide a website, Facebook page, or LinkedIn if you have one, and choose to either claim or join the company. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Finally, click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. An email will be sent to your inbox. Please confirm your email address and you will be approved shortly. Welcome to ePartrade.